Hello, welcome to Lion and Mouse Commentary. I'm Tori and this is my best friend Holland. Hello! If you're new to our show, we rank various forms of entertainment by different categories out of a total score of 10, with only two points allowed for our personal taste. Don't worry, we break everything down as we go, so feel free to agree, disagree, or just find something new to enjoy. Be sure to tread lightly, there will be hot takes and spoilers. Cut to the intro. Coco Moon by Owl City for us to review. This is familiar to both of us. Um, if this is new to you, here's some background. Um, there's not really spoilers because it's an album. Um, but Coco Moon is the seventh studio album by Owl City, which is the music project that's created by Adam Young. It was released March 24th, 2023 uh, by Sky Harbor. That's uh, Adam Young's label. It has 11 tracks and it runs for a total of 55 minutes. It peaked at number 94 on the U.S. Billboard 200. Um, band members at time of release were mostly Adam Young. Uh, he's the vocals, composer, lyricist, mixing producer. He is Owl City. But he did have a few other uh, band members that helped him out. Chris Carmichael did strings on tracks 3, 4, 6, and 10. Sissy Willow with additional vocals on tracks 1, 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, 10, and 11. And uh, Colby McAllister did additional vocals on tracks five and seven. So that's the info. This is a pretty new one. I feel like we typically do media that has been around for a little while, but Coco Moon is a, a pretty new album, only a few months old at the time of this recording. So um, it think- hasn't like gotten any awards or accolades um, at this point, which is fine. Um, and Owl City, I feel like, is kind of at a point in his career where he's not main considered mainstream anymore. So I don't think he has quite the same traction that he used to, you know, back in 2010, 2011 or whatever. But um, that's kind of where we're at with him. So um, I think Top Gun in season one was, that was really very close new too. That's true. To release. Okay. So with that being said, um, Holland, do you want to go ahead and kick us off with our first category? Sure. So our first category for music is lyrics and writing total possible score of two. I gave this one and a half points out of two for lyrics. I think lyrics are really where Owl City excels. Um, I think he excels in other categories as well, but just for this category, I think he's very good, a very good lyricist. Um, I, overall, his songs have really good rhyming schemes. The way that the rhymes and half rhymes flow together in his lyrics. He is uses really unique vocabulary in his songs. Um, the way, it, it is hard for me to kind of describe, but the way that he writes music, it's almost like he writes them in such a way that the lyrics, as you're singing them or saying them, they fall off your tongue very eloquently. Eloquently. I think that his lyrics, they're extremely poetic. They're often very metaphorical. And this album in particular has a lot of autobiographical songs. So he's telling the story either about his life or maybe about somebody else's life. There's a lot of storytelling in this album, which I think is a good thing. Um, And 
then there's some songs that maybe are a bit more heavy on the metaphor and songs that are a bit more story focused. So lyrically overall, there's a lot of variety to the songs on this album. A couple things I think, um, it, I'm not going to go break down every single song because uh, that would take way too long. Um, but a couple notes I have, the song, the first song on the album, Adam Check Please, is very autobiographical. It's very autobiographical. It's about kind of your first job you have when you're a teenager or his first job he had when he was a teenager. It feels like it's a true story that he's telling. I believe it is, but you know. Yeah, it is. That was about his first job yeah. at Hy-Vee. He so, was hired at 16. Yeah. So, um, so it's a, it's a great song. It's very similar. If you've listened to his other albums, I think it's very similar in sound and storytelling to the first track off of his previous album, Cinematic, which is Fiji Water. Again, it's very, very similar. I think the sound is very similar. So it kind of mirrors the beginning of the of Cinematic and the beginning of Coco Moon um, lyrically and musically, which is kind of neat. The only thing I kind of have a problem with in that song, and it's not really a problem because it's clearly a story. It's his story. He's not going to change the lyrics of a true story just to fit, you know, maybe a more mainstream sound. But where I live, there's no such thing as there are no Hy-Vee grocery stores. Um, so when you're listening to the song, if you're not reading the lyrics and he says, I owe you Hy-Vee, mm-hmm. it sounds very foreign. And for somebody that doesn't know what a Hy-Vee grocery store is, it can be kind of confusing. And it, I wondered, I actually almost wrote a note, like, it's a little awkward if you don't know what he's talking about. And I wonder if it's awkward if you do know what he's talking about. It's like, if I was listening to a song and heard somebody say, I owe you Walmart, would that be kind of weird because it's a grocery store name? So I don't know. I don't think it's anything negative. But when you're listening to the song lyrically, it's kind of like, oh, I owe you what? I don't know what that, that word is. I don't know what that means. Um, but at least my understanding is that hy is a very regional grocery store in the area where he grew up. Right, so, which is um, Minnesota, for anybody right. who may be unfamiliar. He grew up in Minnesota. Yeah, so, but I, I like that it's, it's telling a story. It's telling his story. It's very autobiographical. Um, tracks three and six also seem very autobiographical. I think they're done very well. They tell a really good story. Um, an example I have of kind of the vocabulary that he uses, um, the song... The second song, Under the Circus Lights, just that was just an example I had for the way that he uses a lot of vocabulary and metaphor and so the words feel when you're saying them to kind of, you know, put that into his words. He's kind of before the chorus or after the chorus, he says, what a display of rosé poetry, what a majestic menagerie. Those are very complex words that you wouldn't think that you would just throw into any kind of pop song. There's a very, the way that you say them and the way that they're sung fit this very specific rhythm that that song has overall. And so when you're saying them, it falls off your tongue very beautifully. And so that's really overall the, his style of writing. Um, I think that the song Vitamin C is almost a perfect song when it, the way that it's written lyrically, this kind of fun sounding um, song and as well as learn how to surf. I think both of those are written very well lyrically. They're catchy. They're the lyric content is very relatable. Anybody can find something they identify with. It kind of speaks to kind of wherever you're at in life. And I think those kind of core aspects of a song really make them successful and enjoyable for your listener. 
Um, except that, the, and of course I did not take points off for this, but vitamin C is spelled S-E-A. And if you're only listening to the song and you're only hearing the song, you don't get the pun that he's talking about, I need some vitamin C, S-E-A, versus vitamin C, like the actual vitamin. Mm -hmm. And so you have to know what, how the spelling is, or it doesn't, it doesn't have the same impact. Right. I don't think that's a negative thing. Like that's the whole point of the song is that it's the different kind of C. It's S-E-A and not the letter C. A a thought to that is of all of, it's the only song off of this album that he made a music video for is vitamin C. And I wonder if that is to like help drive the impact of the pun. Right. Right. Um, But it's that song and Learn How to Surf, I think, just are done very well. They're they're catchy. They have a really good hook. The Learn How to Surf uses a lot of these cliches that are already in existence and he kind of marries them together to where they feel very organic. Um, And they're just fun songs. I really like that Under the Circus Lights is kind of feels like this very fictional story. Again, it's more storytelling with his lyrics. The track four... Um, field notes. It's such a great pun for the the title of the song, and then it's a really great parable. Um, if I think that that and the song "Sons of Thunder" do have kind of biblical themes to them, and I think that he tells them in a very organic way without it sounding like a preachy song or like a church song or a typical like quote-unquote praise and worship song they have very christian and biblical themes but they still feel like they're coming from a genuine place and a genuine story um couple the couple reasons i didn't give this full points even though i do think owl city is an exceptional lyricist the song kelly time i I really don't have a problem with this song, but I don't like it. And one of the reasons I don't like it is because it. I think lyrically, it's very confusing to figure out what the song is about. I looked it up and I'll talk about it. Okay, but... and and we'll get there. But if you haven't, um, I'll, I, I'm interested to hear the backstory of it because if you don't know the backstory, it sounds like the general message of the song is kind of a friendship that's fallen apart it's kind of maybe their friendship has drifted away but then he repeats these motifs of angel wings so did somebody die did somebody not die is that just a metaphor for something else so it's I don't dislike the song but my my critique of it is it's one of those songs that's so autobiographical that I feel like the only person that can relate to it is Adam Young or Owl City. And I don't think that's necessarily a critique. When you're creating art, you create whatever art speaks to you. And if other people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. But I think for a musical song, it feels almost so autobiographical that the general audience can't relate to it. And I'm one of those people. I can't really relate to it. It's written very well. It's done really well. But I I just can't relate to it because it seems very specific. Another song that's similar to that is The Tornado. I think it's a great song. It tells a great story. And I'll talk about that more in the production category of this song. But The Tornado, lyrically, it's crammed full of words. And the way that it's musically structured, those words are compacted in so tightly. If you're not reading the lyrics, it's a very hard song to follow. And that's... I just think that makes it difficult when you're 
the point of writing music when you're very lyric heavy is that's the lyrics or the message you're trying to convey. And I think it's kind of hard to follow what that message is without listening to it repeatedly. But I do think it's very well written, but you pretty much, in my opinion, you have to read the words to kind of understand the whole story and grasp the whole story. The biggest reason though I did not give this full points is because of the song Dinosaur Park. And I'm probably gonna get a ton of hate for this because I know a lot of people really, really like this song. But to me, Dinosaur Park is like the movie Night at the Museum in song form. And it just, to me, seems kind of hokey and corny. It's like, oh, what if the dinosaur statues came alive? Like, I don't care. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not the kid that cares about dinosaur statues. I liked dinosaurs when I was in, like, second grade. And now I'm kind of like, whoop-de-doo. What if dinosaur park in South Dakota or wherever it is, what if the dinosaurs came alive? Wow, how magical would that be? Yeah, I guess that would be magical. But to me, Tori's looking at me very disappointed. And to me, it's just, it's written very well. I'm not gonna knock that it's written well, but at the same time, it's like, why do I care? This is just not anything I can personally care about. I think it's kind of a, kind of a, you know, I feel like Adam Young went to Dinosaur Park and was like, hmm, what if dinosaur statues came alive at night? Night at the museum, dude, I already watched the movie. It was a great movie. I enjoyed it when I was 12, but you know, don't really need to sing a song about it. Don't need to listen to it more than once. It's a fun story. It's a fun concept, sure, if that's your thing. But for a song, I think it's musically written very well, but lyrically in the message of it, it's just not my thing. And I, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's not their thing. So it's definitely, to me, the lowest caliber song on the album because it's just kind of like, I mean, it's if it wasn't so musically good, which I agree musically, and I'll talk about you know production, if it wasn't so good musically, it would not be a good song. That's just my take on it. I think if it wasn't so musically beautiful, the music tricks your ear and you think it's a great song. And I think lyrically, it's just not, it's it, lyrically, it's, I just don't think it's a, it's a, great song Tori's so mad right now do you remember when we did our Narnia episode and I had a rebuttal to a point that you Uh made and you changed your mind yes I'm going to try to do that again okay okay um but otherwise I think that lyrically it's a great it's it's lyrically done very very well I think it's a strength that Adam Young has to be fair, if you know any Dinosaur Park fans are listening, if you that just is, <laughs> me, <laughs> if that's your favorite song on the album, I'm I'm glad you enjoy it. I just don't think it's that great. Um, but otherwise, I think it's great. One thing I one lyric I think is just very brilliant is when in the song Vitamin C, which I I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the only song he's released? Has he released it as a single? He released multiples as a single. Okay. Um, uh, Vitamin C was actually the third single. Kelly Time was the first single. Okay. And then Adam Check, Please, and then Vitamin C. Okay. So, but Vitamin C is the only one that has a music video. Correct. Yeah. So I think Vitamin C, one of the lyrics I think is just done very well is he says that he's going to tell all his troubles to the ocean breeze because sitting on the beach is cheaper than therapy. I think that's just very clever. So those kinds of lyrics are... In addition to the very poetic lyrics, like the ones I mentioned before, there's a lot of very, very clever lyrics. And so for that, I give it one and a half points out of two. 
Okay, man, I have my work cut out for me. So for me, for lyrics and writing, I also gave it one and a half points out of two. Um, I'm going to talk about some of my points first, and then I want to address some of yours. So uh, just from my perspective, one thing I want to read real quick, though, is um, in an interview, Adam Young stated about the overall meaning of the album, or maybe this, it actually says, according to Wikipedia, it just says according to Adam Young. It doesn't state where it was from. It might have actually been when he posted on his social medias about like the thing. Um, so he wrote, he said that the point is that Coco Moon is a very Al City album. It's quirky, it's odd, it's unapologetically myself. And that part I think is really important to think about when you read or when you hear the lyrics of these songs is that Al City has always been sort of autobiographical. I think he's becoming more and more blatantly autobiographical with each album. I felt like Cinematic was also a very autobiographical album of his, and this one it just continues in that same sort of vein. Um, but uh, another thing in that quote that he wrote was that he, he says, I wrote me, average, ordinary, weird me. Um, and sometimes I feel like that could, in a way, alienate a listener, but just the style of music that Adam Young has written under the name Al City for so many years, if you're still an Al City fan, you're probably in this for the long run because the songs are so unapologetically him. Um, and I think in a way it makes a listener connect more to Al City as an artist than anything else. And it, it's those like weird things. It's like sometimes you just kind of can get into people's heads and see a perspective that like you may never grasp in another way. But he packages them in these like really nicely done songs and like word images. Word pictures in Owl City songs are just like 100 points out of 100. He has this way of sort of taking kind of like you said about vocabulary, he has these way of taking these very strange words that people don't commonly mix into conversation. And he uses a lot of alliteration to make these pretty and precise word pictures. Um, and I think it's just a really big strength that he has that you don't really see a lot in story, like in songwriting. Um, we've talked about Taylor Swift on the podcast before, and I we both have agreed that she is a very strong songwriter as well. However, she writes in a different way than Adam Young does. He writes in a lot of sort of painty, picturesque type vibe. He's very ethereal. Yes, he's very, he, he is metaphorical in sort of a, yeah, sort of like a, a lofty way. But it doesn't, it's not lofty in the kind of sense where it feels um, like egotistical either, if that makes sense. So I just think he has a really great way of using his words. He has, I've always loved the way that he uses puns and wordplay. It's almost like jokes uh, sometimes throughout. It, it has almost a comedic value to it, but never in a way that makes it feel uh, shallow or cheap. Um, because it's so autobiographical, I feel like knowing that you listen to the songs with a little bit more weight than you would just like any other pop song or something where it's like the words are just kind of there to like flow with the music and like sound good and like feel nice but 
there's a more weight to the way that he writes lyrics. There is really interesting rhyme schemes, particularly in the track Under the Circus Lights. I've noticed that in that track, um, he has a tendency to rhyme within, like, the middle of the next line. Like, the rhyme doesn't fall on the ends of each line, but the rhyme always falls within the rhythm of the music, which is interesting and sort of complicated to explain, but it ends up being how it flows in that song, and I, I find it really, really interesting. Meadowlark and My Muse, which are the last two songs on this album, I cannot listen to without choking up. I have tried. I have tried. You're and choking I can't up just do talking it about it. A little bit. Those songs are really, really beautiful. Um, I think that the Meadowlark is just like a beautiful picture of just human like grace being extended toward one another, which I think is something that is found so uncommonly nowadays. And so just the way that he it explains and kind of gives you this picture of like extending grace to fellow man because grace was shown to him first is just such a beautiful picture. And yes, I understand that that comes from, you know, Adam's Christian background. Um, and But I think it's important that that sort of foundation of his life does make itself known in his music. I think it makes sense. And so situations like that, and just it's so simply written and it reads kind of like an old country hymn, but it's delivered in a different way. And I think, but I think the impact is still very heavy. Um, and it's just such a beautiful song. Well, I think it's interesting because I remember when we first, when the album first dropped, that was not one of your favorite songs. It was songs. not. Mm -mm. And I didn't, I thought it was very different than the other songs that are on the album. But w the first thing I thought when I heard it all the way through was, is this a true story? Like, is, did this really happen? Is this a story that maybe his grandfather or somebody he knew or some, you know, family member or not family member that I would be really curious to know if this was a true story because it's one of those stories that, and I, I don't really want to break down the, the whole plot of the song because I think that it really should be listened to right. to appreciate it. I agree. It. But it sound, it's one of those stories that sounds so unbelievable and so powerful and so sobering that it couldn't be made up. It's a very humbling song. And I think, and I'll talk about this more too in production, but it's very humbling lyrics paired with very simple music, but yet the impact is as strong, if not stronger than some of the more upbeat, energetic songs. Um, and I, I think it just simply has to do with the way that Adam Young is so poetic in his writing. Um, however, so My Muse um, is also another song that's sort of along the same lines. Um, My Muse is a direct sequel to his song Be Brave, which is off of his cinematic album, which for those of you who don't know or may not know the lore behind Al City songs, um, Be Brave is a song off of his cinematic album, which was his previous studio album that talked about him meeting 
the woman that he fell in love with. And then my muse is the continuation of that story and talks about their wedding. Um, and I just think it's beautiful and honestly relationship goals because it's just, it's so perfectly beautifully like in love. Like it's just the whole song. It just exudes the feeling of just like being in love and and not just like the butterflies and like warm feelings and stuff that come with that but just like the love and the commitment that they've shown to each other and it's just a gorgeous gorgeous beautiful song so those two make me cry so by the time i get to like song nine i'm like all right get the tissues because the next two are gonna be rough now that's my notes for that, but I want to address some things <laughs> right. that you talked about. Right. First, I want to talk about Kelly Time. It is not one of my favorite songs, and it is the reason that I took off half a point, because it makes zero dang sense when you listen to it. So I looked it up, and I was like, somebody on the internet has had to have talked to Adam Young, and he has had to have addressed what the heck it's about. Especially if it's the first single he releases. So he did talk about what it was about. Have you ever seen the movie Castaway? Yeah. It is a song written from the perspective of Wilson the Volleyball. Oh my gosh. I don't love I don't that like, answer. I don't like that. I don't love the answer. Tom Hanks has a picture of a girl named Kelly in the movie, and he looks at it occasionally in the movie, and he calls it his Kelly time. So okay, I, that I so I don't know if it makes it better or worse. I think it. I think it makes it worse. I am so, not a fan. Of yeah. That. So not not a super big fan of that. Um, but well, and but that's why I took half a point off. It. I think the song musically is fine. How is it how is it from Wilson the volleyball? That doesn't even make sense. I'm sorry if Adam Young ever listens to this podcast, he's probably gonna like ban me from going to his concerts, which ironically Tori and I are going to one of his concerts this year because That's what the internet said. I don't I that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it it said, sounds like the song was inspired by the two thousand film Castaway and is about being okay with not always knowing what's gonna happen, as Young says. Uh, he said that it, he said it, this it, uh, to PM Studio Music. It makes sense for it to be a story that Tom Hanks is saying. It's from his perspective. Why would Wilson be getting out of a car? I don't know. Maybe. Why would Wilson be saying he's I think sorry? I, I think I saw the Wilson thing on like Genius. Maybe it was written by somebody else who doesn't actually know. I'm reading the actual interview here. Um it's about being okay with not always knowing what's going to happen. It's about finding the strength to keep moving forward, to keep moving on. It's about learning to stay optimistic in the future, even though it's always up in the air. Because if there's one thing I do know, tomorrow the sun will rise and you never know what the tide might bring. Okay, maybe the Wilson thing was made up by somebody else on the internet. Because the only thing that he talks about is it being inspired by the movie Castaway. That makes more sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so perhaps that was just bad information I had retrieved uh, previously. I mean, but. that makes more sense. And I, I think that, uh, I mean, that makes it a little better. But still, it's one of those it's, things. It's a very like, confusing song. If you don't know the information about it being inspired by Castaway, it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, right. man. I mean, no idea. you could have thrown like a little FedEx plug in there or something, you know, <laughs> right. to let us know. But So, okay, now. Okay, you're going to come back at me for Dinosaur, dinosaur Park. Park. Tell me 
How Dinosaur Park is any less campy or cheesy than other songs in his discography, such as Hot Air Balloon, Yacht Club, Fireflies. Those songs feel similar to Dinosaur Park in the way that they're they're given with a sense of sort of like childhood innocence, wonder, magic, um, you know, the honey and the bee, other songs in his previous discography. Dinosaur Park feels the most, in, out of all the songs on this discography, Dinosaur Park feels the most like old school Owl City to me. And so because of that, it feels very nostalgic to me. Um, I, I think there's something to be said about the fact that when Owl City was at its peak, it was with Fireflies. Fireflies is kind of a campy, weird, silly song. Sure, there's extra meaning to it that we don't necessarily see on the surface, but I feel like Dinosaur Park kind of fills that vein of like, just sort of like a child whimsy, like it's very whimsical and kind of silly and like, so sure, a grown my, man wouldn't think this way. My rebuttal but. to that though is all of those songs you mentioned are different from Dinosaur Park in that they're all relational. Hot Air Balloon is about relational with a friend. So is Yacht Club. Fireflies is like a longing. You know, I'd like to make myself believe that Planet Earth turns slowly. I can't, you know. And and Fireflies was written, it's, it's sim- like not the, not the whole lore. We're getting in the weeds here. <laughs> yeah. But it's like Owl City had similar like backgrounds, like with songs like Fireflies. It was, you know, a guy in his basement that can't sleep at night, so he writes music. You know, so it's like the kind of the musings of, of somebody that's kind of lonely and is writing, you know, but Dinosaur Park is literally like, I went to South Dakota. It's like Madeline Island without any of the relational connection, human connection that makes Madeline Island relatable for other people. Now, now here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. I will give you this. Dinosaur Park is the musings of somebody, maybe it's the musings of somebody that is alone. And so that's their thoughts they're thinking while they have nobody with them. So I was going to say, maybe it'd be better to compare it to a song like Lucid Dreaming or Lucid Dream. No, I don't think it's anything like Lucid Dream. Okay, well. I think it's literally like Night at the Museum. Like, wow, what if these statues came alive? And don't get me wrong, like, I agree. It does have that, maybe it has that childhood musing or whatever. But musically, it's, it's paired with this music that sounds like the score to a dramatic film. It's like, <laughs> why are we making this sound like it's significant when it is this fun, whimsical kind of, you know, eth- so then ethereal music? Are you saying that saying- your problem isn't necessarily the lyrics, but the pairing of the lyrics with the music? I think that I think the lyrics and the music together do the song a disservice. I think you could have the lyrically, I don't think lyrically it's his strongest work, period. I okay. Th- like lyrically, it's really not his strongest work. It's the, the lyrics literally are what if dinosaurs came alive at night? I, those are literally the, the words. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not anything interesting. He doesn't paint, it's like under the circus lights, you know. R.I.P. Circus, because it doesn't really exist anymore. But Under the Circus Lights, like, 
has that childhood wonder, like I watched this woman on a trapeze and just was filled with wonder and it just filled me with this, you know, this ethereal childlike magic that you're talking about. And Dinosaur Park is like, oh, we're going to kind of do the same thing, except we're going to make it sound dramatic instead of fitting that, like Fireflies, the whole appeal of Fireflies, the reason people tolerated I wouldn't say tolerate in a negative way, but the reason that people would people that were not fans of Velocity liked Fireflies is because musically the music and the lyrics fit together, and I think that the music and the lyrics of Dinosaur Park do not fit together in a way that makes the lyrics feel like anything other than like an eight-year-old's journal entry. Like it just sounds, it just doesn't have that wordplay that Under the Circus Lights has. It doesn't have the musical appeal that Fireflies has. So, I... No, you don't convince me. Okay, I didn't I didn't succeed in changing you not, your mind this not time. Not change my mind. We are just going to disagree then. That's yep. fine. I and, still give it... That's the reason I said I'm, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for it because I've seen on, like, social media and feedback that a lot of people love that song. And I'm just... I just... It's okay. Just, it's fine. We'll disagree. I don't think it's a it's good okay. one. But but because this isn't the personal taste and preference, like I genuinely am arguing for the fact that I don't think lyrically it's a good song. That's okay. And I so, just also still disagree. You can you, <laughs> no, you can absolutely disagree. That's why we yeah. have this podcast. Right. But, but I just want to clarify to the listeners, we have a category for personal taste and preference, and I'm not arguing that I just don't like the song. I'm arguing that lyrically I don't think it's good. So okay. I just want to clarify That's fair. that I am saying that from an objective standpoint and not just on a personal taste preference okay sounds good i still gave it one and a half points out of two so next category is singing and vocal ability out of a total possible score of two i gave this one and a half points out of two i do think in general adam young i think objectively he does not have the best voice to ever grace the music scene he has a good voice i'm not in any way knocking his ability and I would say absolutely his vocal talent has drastically improved since his early albums. He's really gotten much better vocally than he was, you know, how, what album is this? Seven? Seven so studio album. Seven albums ago, completely has improved. Um, I, However, I, st- I just have to say this. I stand behind that any artist that writes their own music... Your voice doesn't matter. If you wrote it, you have every right to sing it. So we said that about Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton. Yeah. And I mean, I would say that about Taylor Swift. I don't think Taylor Swift has the best voice on the planet, but she writes her own music. She gets to sing it. So Adam Young, I feel like fits that category as well. But objectively, I don't think he has the best male voice that's ever graced the music scene. Um... He has a lot of good moments on this album, though. I think in Sons of Thunder, with the chorus, he sings very well. His notes are very clear. uh, They're very distinct. He enunciates all of the vocabulary and the lyrics that he uses, even something like the tornado, which I said before is very, like, has a lot of lyrics condensed into that song. He enunciates every word. He's very clear. His diction is really, really good. Vitamin C, he has some good vocal highlights there, too. I think learn how to serve. He is some of his best vocal work just in the chorus, the end of the chorus when he says you can learn how to serve. I think he just does very, very well vocally. And in my muse, even he has this real softness 
to his voice vocally that fits this very tender love song and yet doesn't feel like he's whispering. It doesn't feel like he's whining. So I think his overall, he has the voice that his music needs. Right. However, I do think on this album, he sounds very vocally similar across the whole album because he's one guy singing the whole album. Um, The tone, the key, you know, there's not a lot of key changes. There's not a lot of tonal changes. There's not a lot of, um, you know, vocally, I think they all kind of fit around the same vocal category, like not category, but like if you were to play his vocal notes on the piano, they would fit within the same keys. So I don't know what the pr- appropriate musical term is. His range? Is. Yeah, that. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of it in this in this album. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I again, that doesn't mean that he has the best voice ever. Um, I really think that in this album particularly, the way that he layers his own vocals to harmonize with himself, things like that, he does that very well. I think his auto-tune is really, really tasteful mm-hmm. in this. Whereas if you listen to a lot of his earlier albums, I was going to say, he's come heavy. a long way with his auto-tune from his first two or three albums there. Specifically, if you're able to kind of listen after you listen to this podcast, um, the at the four minute mark in Adam Check, Please, there's... It sounds like a musical instrument, but it's his voice auto-tuned. And that's just an example. You know, you can go back and listen to that specific moment. When I was listening to it, it caught my ear that I was like, oh, that's not an instrument. That's his voice making that sound. It's just done very tastefully. So overall, I don't have a ton of notes for this category, um, but that's why I gave it one and a half points out of two, because I think his voice absolutely fits his music. It's this blend of singer songwriter with electronic sound. So your voice doesn't have to be the strongest because it's very heavy on the electronic or the rock or the pop musical sound. Um, and he writes all his own stuff. So for that, because he doesn't have the best male voice I've ever heard, I, I really couldn't give him full points. And because vocally across the whole album, even if we're just looking at Owl City and comparing him to himself, I don't think he has a lot of dynamics on this album vocally. So one and a half points out of two for me. Great. I also gave it one and a half points out of two for singing and vocal ability. Um, so what if we ended up scoring the same in every category? Anyway, um... So I think I have to agree with a lot of what you said, pretty much everything you said. However, I do think that he has improved over the years. Um, He knows what he's good at and he writes within what that that is, but he does occasionally challenge himself and you see, well, you hear some of those challenged moments in this album and I'll talk about those. I also think he adds a lot of really cool things. Like you said at the four minute mark in Adam Check Please, you think it's an instrument, it's his voice auto-tuned. He also has, like, he laughs in the background of Adam Check Please a few times, and it's just, like, a nice, it's a nice moment. It's just, like, his his little laugh, you know? And it's just kind of, like, nice and, like, fun and bubbly, and, like, it just kind of makes you feel good, you know? I feel like laughter is kind of one of those, like, sounds, and it just doesn't matter who it's coming from or what the context or the reason for the laugh is, but I think there's just something wired in us that, like, when you hear somebody laugh, it makes you feel good, you know? Yeah. And so that you have those little, like, feel-good moments when you hear him laugh in Adam Check, Please. He does a lot of double melody layering, 
in this album, which is nice, but in my opinion, it would have been nicer if he'd had some stronger harmonies, some interesting harmonies, play a little bit with the music. Instead, it seems like he tends to gravitate more toward just, let me just layer the melody in two octaves. Does it sound nice? Yes, but it doesn't sound as interesting as it could. Nice and interesting are two different things, and I think that he picked nice a lot more than he picked interesting as far as layering the vocals. Um, so that wasn't my favorite. He is, however, very emotionally inflective. And like you said, his voice changes to match the emotion of the song. Um, I do think, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, later in Album Flow and Cohesion, I do think that the emotion in this album does tend to be slightly consistent, if not delivered in different ways. The overall flow of the emotion is consistent, and but he does add a layer of interest to each song by how he inflects or emotes vocally. So I think that that's a, a nice strength. He does have a distinct voice, like you said, if I if somebody were to be like, name your favorite male vocalist, it's not going to be Adam Young. Nothing against him because he's doing fantastic. And I have been a fan of his music for over a decade. Um, so it's not in any way a slight. Um, well, it's like I, I hate to compare him to Taylor Swift, but in the way that I would say that Tori loves... Owl City as much as I love Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we both would agree with both of those artists is we don't love them because we think their voice is the best voice ever. Yeah, we, we love them because how they we resonate with their music and how their sound and and lyrics like speak to our like soul. And there's like a level of connection there, like human art connection. I know that sounds like so, you know flowery but like it's true you know like there's just like something in Al City's music that has and always has and probably always will speak to me on a level that a lot of musical artists don't so I don't care that he's not the greatest male vocalist because I still want to listen to him yeah. and um, that's one one reason that like Tori and I I introduced Tori to Taylor Swift and Tori introduced me to Al City and one reason that we both enjoy these artists together is because they're very similar in the way that they connect to us. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, so while Adam may not have the best or strongest or widest range, he plays with each extreme of his range very well in this album. In Field Notes, we haven't talked about that track yet. His low register in Field Notes is so smooth. I was impressed. I was like, okay, Adam, you go. Let's go, buddy. Um, it's so nice. It's so smooth. It feels weirdly conversational, um, which, you know, how often are you going to use that word for a song? But just the way he sings it, it's very cozy. It almost feels... Um, I don't think intimate is the right word, but, but like it does. in a way, but it does. you know, it's like you're you're getting this information from a friend. Maybe you're talking low over dinner or something, you know, like it 
it just feels there's a level of closeness that you feel when you hear him sing in that sort of low register and i just really liked it um however i think the most impressive vocal moment in this album is those high belt screams he does in the tornado yes and it's so crazy i listened to that song for the first time and i was like whoa what is happening here but i loved it oh my gosh it was so good and not something that i would have expected it's not something that he's ever really done sure he's sung high notes you i mean i think back to like be brave on his cinematic album and you know he's got those high belty braves but in the tornado there's like a growl and a grit but he's also still like way up in the top of his register and you know you think of like growly tones to be kind of low like especially with males but like he somehow added that like grit to those high notes and I was like, this is the most impressive vocals I've ever heard from Adam Young. Wow. It just so good. Like, I can't describe it to you properly. You just need to go listen to the tornado. I'm going to talk about it again in production, but um, he did a great job. And I kind of hope that he does it on his tour because we're going to go see him <laughs> on tour um, because I will be interested to here if he does it the same way or if he changes key or deviates what he does live because i can't imagine how difficult that's got to be to sing every night if he does so if it's on the set list i'll be re really curious to see what happens um another thing i want to talk about adam young is we have seen him live in concert one of the best concerts i've ever been to by the way so good we saw him on his cinematic tour and he sounds live exactly how he does on his album he does exactly which is again you know is he the greatest vocalist no but he is good enough that it sounds just the same consistent it's very consistent he's great live he's great live um the only place that i really noticed like harmonies and maybe it's because of the simplicity of the music um is in meadowlark there's a lot of really subtle, nice har uh, harmonies built into that song. Um, and I don't, there's not a ton of like really like pretty, just like simple, like harmony, or I'm sorry, melody with the third and fifth built into this album, at least not noticeable. Um, but in the Meadowlark, it's, you have that really nice classically built third fifth harmony layered on top and it's just so nice and uh, probably another one of the reasons that that song has really grown on me is just vocally i think that it's just delivered so perfectly for it delivers the lyrics so perfectly it pairs with the music so perfectly and just the way that he sings it feels like a story that you're being told um so all of that to say I do agree with a lot of your points there, um, and I think that if you were to compare the entire, if you were to listen to all of Al City's discography from, in order, let's say from first album to current, you would hear the improvement happen over the years. And so I want to give him kudos. I want to give him props because, um, you know, I think a lot of vocalists tend to kind of stagnate um, over the years. You know, I think of, I, I hate I hate to compare because vocalists are all very different. But I think of a group like, I don't know, like Fall Out Boy. They're great, 
but they haven't really changed vocally. And Patrick, what's his face from Fall Out Boy, he sounds the same in his new albums and their new albums as they did in the old albums. And I'm not really hearing a lot of growth there over the years. However, with Al City, you can hear the growth. And I think it's something that he should take pride in. And as a fan, I take pride in because I know that he is improving and he is con continuing to, he knows what he's good at and he's not trying to do something he's not good at. However, he's going to take what he's good at and he's going to challenge himself within that. And I think that is a smart artist when it comes to music. So one and a half points out of two. Alrighty. So next category is production. So total possible score of two. I give this full points out of two. I... To, uh, just full disclosure, I really don't think that you could give... Maybe maybe his early albums you could argue against. But for his most popular albums and more recent albums, I really don't see how you could give Al City slash Adam Young less than full points for production. He writes and records and produces all his own music and it really shows. He has such artistry in the production of his music. Um, I Just initially, if you're listening to this album with headphones on, or you're listening to it in the car, and you have left and right stereo, with Adam Check, please, right out of the gate, it just starts you off by pulsating left and right. I love in the headphones. it. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. It's just fun. That And things like that are peppered throughout the album that you don't even pick up on, maybe consciously. But it's just these fun little flares that he throws into that's strictly for production and for his own enjoyment and for the just to, to further the message of whatever song you're listening to. It's just done so, so well. Um, he's, it, again, I, I hate to sound too much like a fan, but I was shocked when we saw him live on his last album tour, Cinematic. I was shocked to literally watch him play multiple instruments from the drums to the guitar to a guitar to a piano i mean just the man literally plays every instrument he possibly is able to play with some exception like you mentioned like the strings he yeah. doesn't play those he on had the like album. two other instrumentalists i think when on he, stage with with when he played live he did but for his True. own recordings, he he literally plays the instruments that you're hearing on the track, and he mixes them the way he wants them mixed. And one thing that that he does that he's done much more recently in albums, I, maybe he did them previously, but I, I don't listen to a lot of his his very early work. But he and and the only reason I know this is because I've seen it on like social media and things like that. So if you don't know it. It's not any fault because most people would use like canned sound effects or preloaded sound effects. But he literally goes out and records the sound effects that you hear in the tracks. So, for example, the, the use of the... In Adam Check, Please, the whole point is that it's like a grocery store. So you hear a mic and an intercom and his voice is distorted through that sound. Like, that is a real sound that he has recorded to include in that album. He didn't just run his his audio through a digital processor to create that. Um, there's firework sounds in Under the Circus Lights. There's, and I love how the end of Under the Circus Lights, it ends with a train, mm -hmm. the sound of a train pulling off like the circus is leaving town. There's 
the sound of seagulls in vitamin C. There's a watch tick and, a, and the clasp of the watch closing in Kelly time. There's a dog barking in field notes because the song is about following a hound dog. Mm -hmm. You hear all of those sounds and they're just layered beautifully. So they never distract from the song, but they fill in the pieces of the story that he's trying to tell. And that's just, that is a an artistry and care and... I don't really know how to put it into words, but you can tell that this this man wrote this music and it's a piece of him and he wants that story told as perfectly as possible. And it really shows in the production of this album. And I think that that, just, that deserves to be said and credited where credit's due. Um, I love the, you know, we've talked before how it's hard for me to hear the bass, but the bass in Adam Check, Please yes. is so good. And Adam Young played the bass in that song. So all of that really great funky bass sound he played it in addition to all the other instruments you heard in that in that track i love that the it goes from this there's also a lot of really great bass in vitamin c yes there is there is absolutely but i love that he experiments there's a lot of different sounds on this album there's a lot of variety on this album the under the circus lights has this waltz rhythm and waltz feel that kind of melds into this kind of organ grinding circus feel without sounding campy mm -hmm. or too cheesy or childish. The strings and field notes are just beautiful. <laughs> the, you stole all my notes. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love how the strings are really heavy in field notes, but then it's very rhythmically forward. So it doesn't just have these nice cinematic sounding strings. It has this very heavy rhythm that's very forward in the mix. And then it has this very, this instrumental outro, which is, I think that, that a lot of his other work does have a lot of instrumentals or there's interludes and things like that, but it fits the song and has this really beautiful cinematic sounding outro to it, which doesn't feel out of place or feel boring or stagnant. In Dinosaur Park, even though I did kind of dunk on that song earlier, there's crickets throughout that song that are just <laughs> all my notes <laughs> i know and and musically i do think that the that dinosaur park is musically very beautiful it's a very beautiful song i think that's why people like it i don't think they like it because of the lyrics because i think the lyrics are not that great but i think musically it's very good and mu just like tornado i think musically tells a great story he uses the production the music aspect of that song to really tell the story. It builds and then comes back down. It sounds like a storm is coming. It's just done very well. It, he really uses the production aspect of this album to just tell a great story. And for the most part, except Dinosaur Park, the, the music aspect of this album fits the lyrics and tells the story so well. So I, I just don't think that when you're thinking of the way an album is produced, this album is really, really high quality production. And the fact that pretty much one man does it by himself in, you know, I'm sure he has a studio, but I just kind of picture Adam Young sitting in his basement with all this equipment, just, you know, crafting, truly crafting something he loves and not this big, you know, record label, hanging over his shoulder telling him what he has to do to make the best hit. It really feels like an album that was just lovingly crafted and put together to tell a story that he wants to tell. And that's really, I mean, I hate to make this a, make this a soapbox or anything, but 
it almost makes you grateful that there are artists still creating art for the sake of making art that they're proud of instead of trying to make the next big hit or make the next successful song. They're just trying to tell a story that they want to tell. And I think, like you said, that this at the beginning, this album is unapologetically him. That's just kind of the point of creating it. And I think the production of this album is really where that shines. So two out of two for me. I also gave it two out of two on production. You, a lot of my notes written here are things that you've already talked about. Yes, the strings and field notes. Yes, the crickets and dinosaur park. All of those things. I want to give a quick shout out real quick to... Um, Chris Carmichael, who did the strings on those uh, tracks. Um, so, yes, thank thank you, man, because those are fantastic. Um, I feel like that's probably the only instrument that Adam Young can't play. It's like it's, strings. It's got to yeah. be. Although he's got to be. Maybe he can, and he's just not good enough that he likes it. Maybe. You know, who knows? Yeah, maybe. Um, but one thing about Al City and Adam Young is... He's been around a while. He's been in the game since like 2007 or 2008. It's not like he's a new artist. I do believe that his mainstream peak is over and I'm okay with that. I don't think that he is bothered by that either. And I think that's made very evident by his statement of that he just wanted to make music that he liked. He he wanted to write the songs that he wanted. Um, and But you can tell that there is so much care in the attention to detail that he has given these tracks from a production standpoint. I saw as, um, as Al City, as Adam was posting, um, about a year before this album was released, he had posted new music is coming, um, something along those lines. And so hype started, um, and it was a year before we had an album and I noticed as he would post like little, you know, clues, teasery tidbit things, there were people in the comments. He turned off comments for some of his posts, by the way, but the comments that I did see, and I saw some things on Twitter too, people were becoming very impatient with him. And I sort of understand, kind of, because it's been five years since cinematic. Um, but at the same time, I'm so sick of people feeling like an artist owes them a new album every year or every two years. If you truly appreciate the art of that artist and the production that goes into creating something, I believe in the case of Owl City, I believe this about a lot of things, but particularly because we're talking about Al City here, good things take time. And I am okay waiting because I know at the end of it, I'm going to get a nice little, little packaged album that has all of his heart built right into those songs. And that's what I'm here for. I'm not really here for another Al City album. I'm here for an album that Adam Young has crafted out of his heart for anybody who cares. And while I'm still here and caring, I'm going to appreciate that. So bump all those haters that were <laughs> impatient because I think it was worth the wait. We get all of these wonderful, small, 
tiny little pieces. And like you said, the fact that he goes out and records like crickets for Dinosaur Park and then throws that in, like he could sample that easily. But the fact that he takes so much care into like going out and like naturally collecting these sounds, it makes me think, and maybe this is my speculation as a fan, but it almost makes me think that like Adam Young finds musicality in everything around him. And I think that's pretty cool. He's, you know, recording all of these ambient noises and layering them into songs. And he did that a bit in cinematic as well, but I think it's even more, it's like ramped up in Coco Moon. And um, just knowing that like he hears this sound and probably thinks to himself, oh man, that would sound so good in a track. Or he writes a song and thinks to himself, what sort of sounds would tell this story or would evoke the emotion I'm trying to convey or whatever. Whatever the process is, the result of that work is so evident. And I just think it really, really should be commended because I know it is not easy work. He's not taking the easy route for getting those sounds. So thank you for that work. If you ever listen to this, Adam, I, I acknowledge that work. His music has always had um, electronic feel since the beginning. I think, though, that these last three, four albums of his, um, it feels way less samey than it used to. Um, and I think now he uses his electronic music skill as um, sort of framework now. And now he's doing a lot of really cool like instrumentation things and, and playing all the instruments and everything. And um, so you get a lot more variation in Coco Moon than you did in like Ocean Eyes, which Ocean Eyes is a great album and means a whole lot to my nostalgic heart. Do not get me wrong. I still love that album and it still means a lot to me. But if you were to compare the musical um, interest between that album and this, you're going to get like way cooler like situations here in Coco Moon. Um, and I think that another strength um, is that truly in music, sometimes simple really is best. And I'm going back to Meadowlark and my muse. That is 100% proof. Can you imagine the impact that could be lost in those songs if he drowned it in just noise, sound? In some songs, that's fine. I don't care if Learn to Surf is a little more upbeat and has a little bit more going on and there's, you know, maybe a little more controlled chaos happening in a song like that or let's talk about the tornado for a second that song is insane okay my voice cracked that song is crazy musically i already talked about it vocally musically that song is insane and it makes you feel the panic of a storm in incoming and you swell in and out of this it is very it feels very chaotic but knowing that it's controlled and helps with the storytelling makes that song so crazy. Can you imagine a song as crazy as that with the lyrics to My Muse? It wouldn't fit. It wouldn't go. The impact would be lost. You wouldn't be sitting there trying not to cry or actually crying or sobbing as I have done once listening to that song because you'd be so caught up in the music that you're losing everything. So... He knows exactly, he's an, I mean, he's a pro 
what do I got to say? Like, he really does know exactly how to balance every single piece of every single song. And he's just getting better and better at that every single album. So, full points. Two out of two for production. Alrighty. So, our next category is album flow and co- slash cohesion. And this is a total possible score of one. So, one point for this. I give this half a point out of one. And the reason for that, you know, love it or hate it, that's why I gave it half a point. The purpose of this is to kind of talk about the title of the album, the album art, the grouping of the songs, the songs selected for the album. Because you can have an album that has like four great songs, but if the rest of them don't seem like they fit, then, you know, that this is the place to talk about something like that. I do think from what Adam Young said when he announced this album, how it's very autobiographical, it's very much him, it's kind of quirky, it's a little weird, it's the kind of, it's a piece of himself and multiple pieces of himself represented as songs essentially put on an album. If you don't know that though, I, I think that an album should speak for itself. I don't think the artist should have to come out and give you that information for you to have the cohesion of the album. So I'm kind of putting that information off to one side because I think the album should speak for itself. So Coco Moon as an album title, like does that feel like it fits and encapsulates what the album is about? I don't have an answer for that because nowhere in this album does he tell you what Coco Moon is, what does it mean, what's the purpose. Compared to, and I'm not trying to compare him to his other work, but I think just as an example, Cinematic, the title of that album, there is no, there is a title track, Cinematic, and it kind of gives you the snapshot, if you will, of the purpose of the album. Coco Moon does not have that. There is no track titled Coco Moon. There's no, they don't, he doesn't tell you what Coco Moon is in a song. It's not a lyric. It's not a place. It's not a, it's a state of mind, you know, I'm not right. saying that to be, you know, mocking, mocking that, but there's no tie-in to what that actually means. The imagery of the album, the, the cover itself doesn't really apply anywhere. It's not like the, the picture of the album ties into a specific song. That's not a bad thing. I'm not saying this is terrible, but I'm saying as an album, you don't understand what the message of the album is. Compared to Owl City's other work, you could say, oh, well, he doesn't pick a title that is the title track. And he's not like, I, I'm not trying to compare it to, but it's not like Taylor Swift or Paramore that we've reviewed in the past where they pick, the album is named after one of the tracks and there's a theme of the album. To me, it feels like this album doesn't really have a theme or a message as a whole. It feels like these, the message of the album is, these are the best songs I've written lately. And if so, that's fine. Like you have a right to do that as an artist, but because of that, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of cohesion on these songs. I do think all the songs feel like they came from the same artist. They have similar feels, but to me, it feels more like there's pairs of songs that go together that maybe would would be if there were more of that same family that would be an album for example vitamin c and learn how to surf they feel like they belong on the same album it's like this this kind of beach feel this vacation feel this that you know the theme is 
getting away, escaping your world, enjoying life, go with the flow, learn how things, learn to take things as they are. You know, maybe even Kelly Time would fit into that album as well. So that fe- those three songs feel like they're part of an album with a message. But then the other songs don't feel like they fit that message. So Adam Check, Please, Tor- The Tornado, even Meadowlark, Dinosaur Park, they all feel like Adam Young is telling you some stories that he's learned throughout his life. They feel very autobiographical. But then other songs like Under the Circus Lights, that doesn't feel like it necessarily fits that theme that this is my story I'm telling you. This is an album just about me and my life. So not saying that that you have to have a song that's explicitly and and very clearly telling you a narrative to be an autobiographical album. I'm just saying that the songs, if you didn't know that Adam Young said, and we told you at the beginning of this podcast, Adam Young said, this album is a reflection of who I am, you wouldn't get that straight from the title Coco Moon, the album cover, and all of the track lists put together. That's my point. That's why I didn't give it full points. Because if you just took the album off the shelf, you have no idea who Al City is, you have no idea what this album is, you have no idea what his purpose was writing the album, because it didn't tell you any of that up front, you wouldn't be able to necessarily dissect all of that for yourself without digging deeper into the quote-unquote lore behind Adam Young. So that's why I only give it half a point out of one. Not because I don't think that there's, there is argument for cohesion of this album and that there is a theme and a message of this album, but you have to literally hear it straight from the horse's mouth to know that. So that's why I only gave it half a point out of one because I think that an artist's work should speak for itself. I do think this album does flow very well. The songs flow very well from one to the other. There's a lot of cohesion in the album as far as the sound of the albums go, but for an overall theme of an album, the message of the album, what is the point this album as a whole is trying to make other than the fact that Adam Young told you what it is, I think that there could be some songs omitted and some songs added maybe from other, maybe from cinematic, some songs from there fit like it fits that message a little better. And some songs from this album feel like maybe it wouldn't fit as well. So because of that, I only give it half a point out of one. Okay. Interesting take. I don't disagree with anything that you've said. I just attacked this category very differently than you, I think. So I give it full points for album flow and cohesion because to me, and I alluded to this earlier, this album tends to invoke a lot of the same type of emotion in me, even though they're delivered differently um, and we have different genres within the Owl City sound. um, This whole album feels like it's all the songs are either one of two things. They either introspective or it's a memory. And so pretty much everything on this album kind of falls in under that sort of like reflective umbrella. So for me, I'm like, yeah, this all goes together just the same. I don't think vitamin C or learn how to surf fit either of those categories. I think it does. So because learn how to surf, he's talking about whether or not this is a fictional character or not, he's talking about this girl that he met who gave him this advice one day and now he can't, it's it's forever with him. So like there is a level of memory to that. And I think with vitamin C, there is a level of memory to want, like longing for 
the beach in Hawaii while you're in the snow. So, like, I think it might be slightly vague, you know, maybe some is a little bit of like a stretch, but I think at its core, there's like a level of, of memory or longing or introspection that happens with pretty much every song. Um, so for me, I, I thought emotionally, this was a very consistent album. Uh, I thought it was very consistent and it never felt like tired or boring through the whole thing. If I want to talk about flow for a second, I think that the flow is very good with the exception of one moment. But you start out with good energy with Adam Check, please. And then you kind of keep that energy. And I think the mellow, more mellow songs still have a level of like musical momentum in them um, that keep you moving. It doesn't feel like lulls or like we're now taking a like a silly nap in the middle of our party. Like it doesn't feel like that. It's not so stark. Um, those more mellow songs being like field notes um, Dinosaur Park, um, and then of course Metal Lark and My Muse are both pretty, pretty mellow songs, but they're the last two, so it's fine. The only thing that I think doesn't super flow, um, but I still didn't take any points off, is I think Learn How to Surf would fit better a little earlier in the album. I would want it either right before or right after Vitamin C. I think if you swapped Dinosaur Park, which is track eight, and Learn How to Surf, which is nine, if you just swapped those, I feel like maybe that would be better. I think it might sound too similar because those songs are really, they have really similar themes. They have really similar messages and the sound is really similar. It has that kind of hard rock pop sound. I could see that. But so then it may get too exhausting to have them back to back. Then maybe not back to back, but I still want to push Learn How to Surf a little higher. I think it, it feels weird to me going from Learn How to Surf into the Meadowlark. Because I think it's the biggest difference between songs. I feel like Field Notes would segue really well into the metal arc. Me too. Because it has that Let, long outro. Okay, then let's say for if we could rearrange the album, we'll make Learn How to Surf 4, which would come after Kelly Time and before Sons of Thur Thunder. And then Field Notes, would it would go Dinosaur Park, Field Notes, Metal Arc, My Muse. Which would be kind of a nice ramp down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think... The album flow could potentially be improved, but I still didn't take any points off because it wasn't so much of a of a shift for me that it bothered me or made me like go, oh, this feels weird or disjointed. Um, overall, I think this is a very smooth album. I actually think it's a little more cohesive from start to finish than Cinematic was, and I love that album. Um, this is not a podcast about that album, but... Um, I, I was surprised at how well I thought, I thought this album did flow. So I guess it's interesting to me that you have a different perspective. For me, it was more about musical flow. I, I considered more of the musical flow and the emotional flow more than anything else. So that's why I ended up giving it full points for album flow. Cool. Yeah, no, I think that's completely valid. We just approach it from two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, so last no, second to last category is personal taste and preference. So total possible score of two. I give this one and a half points out of two. I do enjoy Owl City's work. I would, I guess I would say I'm a fan of Owl City. I use the 
Tori and I have had the debate slash discussion <laughs> many times of what constitutes a fan versus just enjoying something. But I use the term very conservatively, I guess. But Where I call myself a fan of basically anything everything. I enjoy. Yep. So for me, this album overall, I, I really enjoy this album. I think it's very, very good. And a lot of these songs, I think, are, are ones that I would absolutely add to a playlist that of songs that I enjoy. This album does, to me feel very, very similar to Cinematic. It almost feels like the sequel to Cinematic. And I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just kind of the way that Owl City's sound has kind of evolved over the years. It just sound, feels very similar to Cinematic. Some of the songs I do think are some of his best work. I really do think that objectively, the way that he has grown and, and evolved as an artist, I think some of these songs are his best work. But some of these songs are ones that I don't need to listen to more than once. Cough, cough, dinosaur park. However, for the songs that are my favorite, I think they'll probably be pretty timeless. Some of my favorite songs on the album, like are one of my favorite songs on the album, I'll say, is Learn How to Surf. And I think that song is a song that will resonate with me for many years to come. So... There are many songs on this album that I think I will definitely listen to over and over and over again, throw them on a playlist of, of songs that I like. But there are some songs that I, you know, I don't really need to listen to more than once, or I need to be in a really specific mood to listen to it. The Meadowlark, I think, is objectively a beautiful song. It's done very well, but personally, I'd have to be in the right mood to listen to it. Even song, a song like My Muse, I think it's a beautiful love song. It's written so well. It's great. I don't think it's the best love song ever written, but I think it's it's so wholesome and it's so good, but I'd have to be in the right mood to, to listen to that song. So, and then some songs I probably won't listen to very frequently. The Tornado, I think it's a great song, but not really my cup of tea. You know, have to be in the right mood to listen to it. So because of that, I, I didn't think I would enjoy every song on this album 100% of the time. So one and a half points out of two. Okay, that's fair. Um, I also gave it one and a half points out of two for personal taste and preference. If that if it hasn't been made evident in this episode already, Owl City is very, very dear to me and has been for a very long time. I hate to say that like, actually I don't hate to say it because it is true. Owl City's music shaped a lot of my teen years and college years. And I have very specific, fond, dear memories tied with Owl City albums or songs. Um, and so I can never not be excited when I hear that he is making new music because it always, for some reason, you know, even the albums of his that don't resonate with me as much as others, there's still something in that album that sticks, that just sticks in my heart, in my brain. And I just respect the person that that Adam Young is and how he makes that evident in his music and how as a you know, from a business standpoint, he's not interested in chasing clout or money or fame. He simply just wants to make music for his, you know, own enjoyment and also to share that with anybody who will listen. So Owl City is very dear to me. However, as much as I, as good as I've talked about this album, it's really not my favorite um, album. I can feel the like 
maturing that happens in each album though and in a way it feels it genuinely feels like i've grown up with owl city music and like with each album that feels a little more mature than the last i do too and so in a weird way it feels like the timeline of my life has strange parallels with the timeline of his discography um so personal taste and preference i feel like i will always prefer like, I will always have a bit of a preference uh, for Al City's music, and I believe that I will listen to it for many years. Um, I, I, as long as he will make music, I think I will be here to enjoy it. Um, and I trust his process and music skills and songwriting skills enough to know that I believe I will always find something to enjoy and appreciate about that. Um, so it does sound like I should say two out of two, but because this specific album, Coco Moon, there are certain songs on here that I do consistently skip. And again, it's kind of like what you said. It's not that I think they're bad songs. I don't think there's a bad song on the album, to be 100% honest. But some of these songs are kind of moody. And I need to be in that mood to listen to it. Um, I do not like to listen to mm, the Meadowlark and my muse when I'm driving on my commute to work because I don't want to sob my makeup off before I walk into work. However, there are going to be moments in my life, and I think this is probably true of anybody who listens to music on a consistent basis, where like sometimes when you're like down in the dumps, like sometimes listening to like music like that, like poignant almost heavier songs is almost like therapeutic in a way in those instances when i'm at home already crying like that is when i'm going to be like these are the songs i want to listen to is the songs that do feel heavy and sort of make you feel like you're not alone in this world with your burden you know even if it's only your burden to bear like you know there are times in life this is why sad music does well sometimes because People relate and resonate with sad music when they're sad. And not to say that those songs are sad, but hopefully I'm making some sort of sense. I feel like I'm babbling a little bit. The point is, is that because this album does have songs that I consistently skip, whereas other, compared to other albums um, or other artists, there are certain albums where I'm like, this is a no-skip album. That doesn't necessarily apply here, um, so because of that, I could not in good conscience give it full points when I know within even just the discography of Al City, there are other albums where I'm like, let it play, because I don't want to skip anything, um, and that just doesn't apply here for Coco Moon. So, one and a half points out of two. Okay, so last category is creativity. So, this was the probably the hardest category for me to score, because Al City is a phenomenally creative artist. Adam Young is extremely creative and extremely talented. However, we're not reviewing Owl City. We're reviewing this album. And because of that, out of the total possible score of one, I gave this half a point. Overall, I, I, I don't think you can take away any credit for his production, the fact that he plays his own instruments, the fact that he records his sounds and doesn't use just you know, pre-recorded sound effects. He mixes and produces his own music. It's it's fantastic. He's a fantastically creative and talented man. However, for Owl City, 
for this album specifically, a lot of these songs, they do sound like some of his most transparent and some of his most vulnerable songs that he's written. So that is a, is a credit for him. But the album itself as a whole feels very similar musically and lyrically to his other work. It sounds like, like I said before a little bit, it sounds like the sequel to Cinematic. That's not a bad thing. It almost sounds like you could take Cinematic as part one and this would be Cinematic part two. It sounds very raw, organic, unapologetic. It, it really does. He he put it into perfect words. He's very good with words, but it is sounds unapologetically him. And that's there's value in that. But because I feel like he did that already in Cinematic, that this doesn't feel like it's something as new as cinematic feels when cinematic came on the scene. And it sounds very consistent with his work, although it does have that maturing, it has changed, he has grown and evolved as an artist, but I don't think it's extremely distinct as an album in and of itself. So because it's there's not a huge distinction between this album and other pieces of his work. I only gave it half a point out of one. So I don't have a lot to say. I, again, if we were just if we were just scoring him as an artist, he'd get one out of one for creativity. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. But because this is specifically reviewing the album in and of itself, I, I gave it half a point out of one. And so did I. Half a point out of one for really all the same reasons that you said. Um, and also, this is the category where I always talk about music videos because y'all know me, I like music videos. Um, but Vitamin C is the only music video that has been made so far um, for this album. It's very cute though. It literally is him in a parka in a snowstorm <laughs> longing for the beach. And I think it's just kind of like a nice, fun uh, little like juxtaposition there where he's talking about the warm beach in Hawaii while he's standing in the middle of a snowstorm. Um, but he did make official lyric videos to every other track with the exception of the Meadowlark. There's not one for that, but every other track has a, a nice cute little lyric video with what looks like stock footage, but knowing him, maybe he took it. Yeah. Um, cause that's the sort of thing that he would do. And so, you know, I appreciate that. At least the work he, at the very least made lyric videos and posted them on his official YouTube. So, uh, that's just a nice little thing, um, that he provided as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to like repeat everything that you just said, but again, if we were talking about him as an artist, um, I'd give him two out of one points, but, um, this album, we talked a lot about his creativity in a lot of the categories. However, it's because that's what he's capable of. And we've seen that already. Um, so it's not like he did anything super groundbreaking. He did try different things and like, you know, give challenges to himself in this album, but nothing in such a way where you're like, whoa, did not expect that from him. Um, so it, it still feels very him. Um, it It's, you know, comforting in that way. If you're an Owl City fan, it feels like an Owl City album. You're not going to be getting anything weird or like, oh, what am I listening to? Or he sounds like somebody else because there's none of that. It, he sounds like Owl City giving us what he does best, which is, you know, great music and fantastic lyrics. So same for me, uh, half a point out of one. So what does that make your final score so my final score for coco moon by owl city is seven and a half out of ten and mine is eight out of ten i thought we had the same score but 
we deviated a little on al- album flow. Yep. Everything else was the same, though. Yep. All right, do you have any final thoughts? No, I I mean, I think overall, this is a very good album. If you have never listened to an Owl City album, this is a really good album to pick up for the first time. And I think that's very rare for an artist to have their most current album be one of their best introductory albums. So I, I think that's really rare for an artist to have because most of the time they, like Owl City's prime, if you will, was kind of early 2010s, mid 2010s. And I feel like this album coming out in 2023, is, for it to be even better than when he was kind of in his quote unquote mainstream prime, I think that's a big testament to the album and to him as an artist. Yeah, awesome. So are you ready for some lightning round? Yes. Okay. Favorite track? That is a really tough question. I know. <laughs> I, I think that it goes back and forth between Learn How to Surf and Sons of Thunder, actually, is probably... I think Sons of Thunder, I would have to say, wins by a nose. So I think that's my favorite track. Okay. For me, it's usually between Adam Check, Please and The Tornado, just because I think it's so interesting. But I like Adam Check, Please a lot, too. I thought My Muse was your favorite album or favorite track. That's probably honorable mention. Um, I can't listen to it all the time because it just, it wrecks me. (laughs) But it is a beautiful song. So, So honorable mention to My Muse. Okay, least favorite track. We already know what you're going to say. Yes, Vitamin C. I'm just kidding. I was going to be like, you're lying to me. I am lying to you. No, it... it, Jeez. Yeah, it it has to be Dinosaur Park. And I swear, I I just don't like it. Just don't like it. I think it's bad. And I'm sorry. if, If Adam Young ever listens to this podcast and makes it this far, I'm really sorry, bro. Because I'm sure you really liked that song. You liked it enough to put it on an album. But I just don't like it. If you're listening to this, please don't cry. And also tell us that you're listening to this because we would love to interview you. Yeah. And we'll come backstage on your tour and you can hit us up on our Instagram. So, (laughs) (laughs) Bro, that'd be so cool. (laughs) That'd be dope, man. I feel like I was telling Tori before we recorded this. I was like, I feel like of all the, the... episodes we've done the one episode that probably has the highest chance of somebody the creator listening to the episode it might be this one so we're hopeful yo don't make me fangirl delusional <laughs> i'm just kidding oh <laughs> uh, that would be so cool. no but i i do think I, I gotta i gotta say dinosaur park gotta have i just have to make this point i really do think that the lyrics and the music don't match. And I think if it wasn't so musically beautiful, which it is, but you know me, lyrics are the most important thing. If it wasn't so musically beautiful, people would not like it. Okay. Well, you could think that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, I think my least favorite song is probably Kelly Time. That one, I, I'm not a big fan of that yeah. one either. I don't dislike it, um, but... I just don't like it as much as everything else. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Okay. Next question. Okay. What lyrical or musical change would you make to the album? I think that, you know, 
I think Kelly Time has such a good sound to it. And it has such a good, like, feel. I don't know. I think I would doctor either Kelly Time or Dinosaur Park. And I think Dinosaur Park could be a good song. It's like, like... If, if we're going back, if you if anybody listening listened to like old Owl City, I feel like um, what was the one he wrote about the dentist? Do you remember the one? Uh, yeah, it's called Dental Care. Dental Care. Yeah. Dental Care. That's like a silly whimsical song, and it has a lot of good puns in it. And I feel like Dinosaur Park could have gone in that direction and been more like whimsical and made more sense. But to make it more, the way that it's kind of set as kind of a dramatic, like, introspective, like, philosophic sounding song just doesn't fit. And so I think Dinosaur Park, I would probably like it better if it had more of that, like, what do you think dinosaurs talk about? Like, when nobody's around, like, Night at the Museum clone, but... If that was more of like a whimsical feel and had more of a like more fun feel to it, I think it would be a better song. So that probably would be the change I would make to that. Okay. For me, the only thing that I could think is I almost want Learn How to Surf to feature some more like acoustic guitar or ukulele on it i think it could be a really interesting like layering is if we'd had like some really cool like beachy sounding musicality to it that could be really interesting yeah not necessarily strip it down but just add like something that feels kind of like like beachy i think vitamin c would sound better with more ukulele than learn how to surf because learning how to surf, like, surfing is, like, mm-hmm. has more of a hardcore, like... I just like, feel like the way that the rhythm, lyric, lyric rhythm, like, mm-hmm. like vocal mm-hmm. rhythm, learn how to surf is more, it matches, like, what typical ukulele strum patterns would be. True, but I don't think the chorus, the way he, hold, like, the very end of the chorus... You can learn how to surf where he holds those notes. You couldn't do that with you. That's fair. But then don't have ukulele through the whole song. Do it in just the verses. Yeah. that It could be really interesting with just the verses. Yeah. Maybe I'll do a ukulele cover of it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Post it on our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, next song. Or next question. What track would you delete from the album? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm, I, you know, that actually is kind of a tough question because... I don't know if I would delete any track from the album, even Dinosaur Park, even though I don't like it. Um, Because I think the sound of Dinosaur Park is needed on the album. Um, But, you know, I think this is tough because now I'm like, what would I want to do versus what do I think would fit? I almost feel like Learn How to Surf and Vitamin C almost sound too similar that they you don't need both of them on the album. But I like both of those songs, so I wouldn't delete either of those. But I... I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. And I also feel like... Listening to the album... I've given both Kelly Time and 
Dinosaur Park repeated playtimes to try and and give it a chance. And I feel like I might delete Kelly time because it doesn't... No, I delete Dinosaur Park. I'm sorry. I circumvented that. I was trying to not delete Dinosaur Park, but I think that's the one I would have to delete. Okay. Hot take, maybe, after all I've said. I actually think I would agree with you. And my reason is, the song is bloody long. It's like six and a half minutes. It is really long. And I like it. I do like that song. And I, I think it sounds like an Owl City song, and I think it does flow fine in the song, or in the album, but I almost feel like it would do better if it was like a digital single, unassociated with an album. So if I could like pluck it out and just leave it on its own, I think it could do better. And I don't think it would change anything in the album if it was just missing. Like, if it flowed straight from the tornado vitamin C into learn how to surf, I know you said about, you know, it might be too similar, but I don't think it would change enough to just emo- um, omit it from the album. You know, I feel like Dinosaur Park fit would fit more on All Things Bright and Beautiful than any other album. Or even Mobile Orchestra. It could flow there, too. I don't know. Mobile Orchestra was a little different of an album. Yeah. I feel like it it feels more like an All Things Bright and Beautiful album. Like song track off of that album. It might. It would be interesting. If we could like take it from this album and put it there yeah. and just see where it fit. Mm-hmm. That would that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next question. Of all the Owl City albums, where does this rank for you? That's a tough question. I think definitely there's seven albums... And we're not counting the EP? Correct. Yeah. You, you, and I'm not asking the you to like... ultraviolet EP? Yeah. I'm not asking you to like rank them all, but just no. like, is this top of the line? Is this bottom? Is this mid? Like, I, I think it's definitely in the top. Probably top... Like top three, top four, probably. Um, it probably would shuffle around. It kind of depends on what I'm in the mood to listen to. But I would say it's probably top top three, top four for sure i would agree i think this is probably my third favorite album Um, my top two alternate sometimes um they usually flop back and forth between cinematic which i just thought was an almost perfect album and midsummer station because i have so so much of like an attachment to that album so i think with those two being one and two coco moon would probably fall into third yeah but i think kind of like i said you know earlier i really think some of the songs off of this album i like better than you know i think some of these songs kind of like some of my favorite songs are in my like top one or two favorite owl city songs but the album as a whole wouldn't necessarily be my favorite album. But some of the songs are, I mean, probably two or three of the songs would jump right into my top five. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I think Cinematic is, is really up there for me. Um, I really do like All Things Bright and Beautiful as an album. I really like the Mobile Orchestra. That I have a lot of memories to, with that album. Um, but yeah, Cinematic, this album. Yeah, the I mean... The two sound very similar. Um, but yeah, definitely top three or four or an album as a whole. So Okay. Last question. 
if you could have another artist cover a song from this album, what artist and song would you pick? Is Coco Moon a place in Hawaii? I don't know. I just Googled Coco Moon and Coco Moon Hawaii came up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Am I dumb this whole time? That's what it's meant. I have no idea. Um, you know, that's, that's a really hard question. I think it's a great question. I love that we asked that about albums. Okay, I haven't answered. Should I answer while you think? Yeah, answer while I'm thinking. Wouldn't it be cool if we heard Panic at the Disco cover Under the Circus Lights? I could see that. I feel like it it is almost on brand with them. It is on brand with them. So that's why I would pick it. Yeah. The like carnival circus kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah. It would like vocally it's different, but you know, Brendan Urie, he would jack it up four keys and then mm-hmm. screech it. But it could be interesting. It could be cool. It could be cool. It would be cool. Pop punk version. It'd have a good, that would have a good, a good version. Yeah. I would like to hear, oh man, you know what I, I would like to hear? This, this is not, I did not expect that I would think this, but I would like to hear, I would like to hear Haley Williams and Taylor Swift sing like a stripped down version, which is already stripped down of the Meadowlark. Ooh. Those harmonies in there. Oh yeah. That like with nice. the, with the person that's already singing the backing vocals on that. Yeah. Have it like you get like three part harmonies in there. Yeah. I think that could be really good. I would like to hear Taylor Swift cover a song, but I think that having the two of them, the way their voices kind of complement each other, but I feel like you'd need a third person to like someone like uh hmm. what's a what's a female artist that has more of a like a lower register that could like fill that in. Someone kind of like Nora Jones or somebody that or like has like Lana a, Del Rey. Yeah, yeah. Or even like someone with a, a tone like um, Zooey Deschanel. Okay. Kind of fill in yeah. that lower register a little bit. Yeah. Because both Haley Williams and Taylor Swift have kind of that higher, higher tone. Mm-hmm. They have a more airy tone. Yeah. yeah. Bright tone. Yeah. So maybe that. That would be interesting. Yeah. But I think it would be also cool to have like, like pair like a pop punk yeah. cover of, um, maybe. I think a pop punk cover of Vitamin C would be really interesting. That would be cool. I could see that for sure. Because it already has kind of a heavy rock sound yeah. to it. Yeah, so it, it'd be an easy like translation. Like all time low. Yeah. To do that song. Yeah. Yeah. All-time low boys like girls, somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, any other thoughts? No. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. Hope you had a good time. Especially if did- especially if you were Adam Young and you were listening. <laughs> and if you did not, feel free to tell us why. <laughs> Links to our show notes, Patreon, socials, suggestion box are all on our website at lineandmousepodcast.com. Guys, suggest things for us to review because our brains get tired and we don't know sometimes what you guys want to listen to so whatever you want to hear us rant about for an hour and a half plus tell us and we will do those things you can also review this episode on whichever podcast platform you prefer let us know what you think thanks so much for listening and as always we will catch you in the next one